Welcome to Keeping Up With Life, where we empower you with health, business and family life strategies for you to live your best days. I'm your host, Pippa Hanson. I'm the CEO, a mother of teenagers and have a passion to live an active and healthy life. Each episode contains practical tips and insights on how you can succeed in all aspects of your life, delivered to you in bite-sized pieces to implement straight away. This episode is brought to you by the Sports Injury Clinic, whose mission is to enhance the lives of its clients, staff, other professionals, and the greater community. Welcome. Today we have Sophie Jackson and James Jackson with us. Uh, Very exciting. Brother and sister, elite athletes, and um, really happy to be talking about your journey, how you got into sailing, the commitment, um, what, what that's cost you in terms of has it cost you anything in terms of your social life or... There is so much to talk about. So let's start. Welcome. Thank you both for being here. Um, Sophie, let's talk about how you got into sailing and and what you've been up to recently. Um, Yeah, so James and I are very lucky to come from a sailing family and we've had a lot of inspiration from both our grandpa and our dad, um, sailing from a young age and then starting to learn to sail on our own when we were kind of six or seven. Um, And we've both come through um, what we'd probably describe as the Australian sailing pathway. So we progressed through the levels in juniors, youth, and now into the Olympic class. Um, And we're sailing the Olympic 470, which is a two-person mixed dinghy. You have to compete in male and female pairs now at international level. Okay. So you've got to have that combination in each team. Um, And so, yeah, the past two years I've been on the World Cup circuit um, in the 470 class, which has been a massive step up out of youth sailing. And um, basically everyone on the circuit is a full-time elite athlete, which is – makes everything a lot more challenging, but it's also really rewarding to be at that stage of my career and getting to compete at that level. Yeah, fantastic. And James, obviously we've heard how you got into it. Um, You've only recently, like a year ago, finished school. So what's your last year look like in particular? Yeah, for me, so I've dug into my sailing. Um, I made the call to go to Europe and compete on that international circuit in the the senior um, age category with all those Olympians and, you know, you're lining up on the start line and it's a bit terrifying, but um, it was really great to start doing that. Um, and then I've also gone into uni, so I'm studying. Um, Soph's already got her degree. I'd, I'd like to have my degree for that security, I guess. Um, but, yeah, part-time first semester and then full-time this semester, summer unit, and then lots of sailing, lots of work, just the juggle, I guess you could say, yeah. Yep. So... Sophie, maybe you tell us, what is the commitment to to become this elite athlete that you both are? Um, yeah, so the past two years for me, um, I've finished uni and basically consider myself to be a full-time elite athlete. So um, I've previously been with a South Australian teammate, so we have to juggle um, training interstate together. So we generally do blocks a couple of weeks at a time in South Australia, a couple of weeks at a time in Melbourne, and then large periods of the year overseas um, competing and any kind of home blocks but also those interstate training blocks is not only on water but it's also a lot of fitness so at the moment I'm doing about um six to seven cardio sessions a week and three in the gym and that's alongside on water and James and I've been also about six days a week on water at the moment so it's a lot of training and on top of that um we're a self-funded team so we do have to try and fit in work and and sponsorship and looking at ways to fund our campaign as well as all the logistics, which takes up a lot of time as well. Yeah. So how many hours a week would you be training all, all up, do you think? 
Um, definitely depends on where we are in the cycle, but um, around 20, 25 hours a week. And some of those more intense blocks, you'd be looking at 30 to 35 hours a week. So how on earth do you hold down any type of work around those hours? Um, I'm, I'm quite lucky that I did finish my degree before going into the World Cup circuit. So I've got a teaching degree and I work as a casual relief teacher um, and an outdoor education outdoor educator. Um, and that comes with a lot of flexibility, which is very convenient. Yes. Yeah, amazing. And what about you, James? You're obviously studying, so how on earth do you fit Yeah, working? it's definitely um, challenging. <laughs> Lucky that I've got a few good employers, you know, in Peninsula Grammar, um, doing some sailing coaching there. And then I also got some sailing coaching at a few yacht clubs. And then I'm also a waiter. So I just try and whatever's convenient and whoever can work around my schedule, I'm, I'm lucky in that sense that they're pretty flexible. It's probably not luck. If you look at the two of you, it's probably a credit to the type of people that you are, um, that it, that employers are happy to be so supportive of both of you. Got to give your parents some, um, you know, <laughs> clap of hands for some of that. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the cardio and the gym work because obviously – on the water, you know, you're getting your skills up, but let's talk about your cardio and gym. Talk, talk us through why and how. And So, yeah, both of our programs look a bit different at the moment. So James and I coming together, I'm steering and James is crewing, and the skipper generally needs to be a lighter, smaller build but also have a lot of strength and power in that small size. And then the crew is on the, the trapeze, so they need to be a bit heavier and have more leverage out on the wire. Um, so my program's a lot more cardio-based because I've got to try and be – as light as possible. Um, so currently just trying to change my body composition a bit to um, to lower that weight without losing my muscle mass. Whereas for me, I, I was a skipper. So when I was in Europe at the start of the year, I was trying to be as light as possible. And to be honest, I was finding it really, really hard. So I've gone from a very cardio heavy and, and some gym program as well to a lot of gym, a big change in diet to try and put on around eight kilos in hopefully eight months, mm. um, which is a change for me because for a long time I've been a skipper and so I've been at that light um, light kind of weight and that's a big component of sailing, unfortunately. Um, you know, just another fun thing to work with that is really, really important if we have our training program to complement where we've got to be in the boat. It's vital, so we're really lucky in having the BAS and TSIC to support us there. Yeah, amazing. So you don't sort of think of that with your body weight unless you have it explained to you. So how are you managing to put on weight and for you to, sort of, I suppose, keep keep lean? So if you like, they're com- clearly completely opposite uh, that you're both trying to do. How are you both finding that? Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting for me in the same role for a long time, um, getting a bit more used to it, but it's pretty new for James. Um, but, yeah, diet's a big part of it, so... I'm super cautious of what I'm what I'm eating and putting in the right kind of food and not consuming any kind of useless calories. <laughs> um, and it's also very much structured around training, so putting in that food around training. Um, and then my gym work, just making sure I'm kind of in calorie deficit if I'm lifting big weights yep. or I'm um, just lifting um, lighter weights with more repetitions. Yeah, for me, um, I'm probably at the moment on lower repetitions, higher weight, um, just trying to gradually increase weight, not not in an unhealthy level. Um, and then it's just the food intake, so vital to have that structured around having the right amount of quant- uh, protein, right amount of carbs when you need it, 
Um, and luckily we've got nutritionists that work with us on that um, so that we're structuring that in the right way to put on that weight. Yeah, and I was just about to say, I know that you're both working with um, the right professionals to to do that safely and healthily. Yeah, and um, But it is fascinating that no ma- even the same sport, you're both trying to achieve different things and it's um, – other sports, you know, are the same. You know, you've got those that want to be really lean for their sport or those that really need to bulk up for their sport, but the fact that you're in the same boat and you're trying to do the opposite. Do you naturally prefer the other role or in terms of the training and the and the either needing to be lean or needing to bulk up? Do you have a preference? Yeah, I, I love lifting weights. Yep. So um, <laughs> having to deload a bit in the gym um, is sometimes a bit frustrating. And I've had to really learn to love cardio. It wasn't yep. something that I enjoyed initially. <laughs> love the gym. Um, but no, I'm getting a lot more used to it and starting to enjoy that process a lot more. Yep. I think for me it's um, really nice to have changed up to be a crew because I can all of a sudden not have to deal with the calorie deficits. Yeah. Um, and really try and put on some strength in my upper body, which is something I previously didn't have a lot of. So I'm enjoying that challenge. Um, it's certainly a big challenge, but it's a nice hurdle to try and climb, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Are you finding you have to eat a lot more? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. do you are you enjoying that? Like, do you have days where you go, I cannot eat all this food? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's some days that you're just like, this is a lot. Um, but I think you know, you're lucky, you're trying to make your gut adjust. And so that gradual increase um, of allowing your gut to take in more food and having the right types of food to complement that so it's easy to digest, make it manageable. And we're lucky that we've got these people working with us to make that possible because it's not something I knew two months ago. I looked at it the other way. So, yeah, it's great to um, to have those people around us. Yeah, fantastic. And as we've just said, you're doing it safely, which is amazing, and with – and with your cardio and your gym workout as well. So, so if you're talking about you were you did have a teammate that was from South Australia, but um, you're now sailing together. So, talk about that. How was your relationship with a non-family member as a as a um, com- competitive aspect to now with a family member as a competitive aspect? Yeah, it's actually a really exciting change for us. Um, we've both grown up sailing together and, and in the same house and we were competing against each other at the World Cups this year. So to team up is really nice um, and, and it's exciting, but it is a big change. So, um, yeah, sailing with someone, especially in a different state, comes with quite a lot of complexities yep. um, and a lot of extra travel. Um, whereas now, James and I, we live in the same house, so it's like, oh, you feel like going sailing? Yeah, let's go sailing. <laughs> and we kind of grab our gear and go out the door. Um, so it doesn't have those kind of challenges, but it is we're kind of managing. We spend a lot of time together and you have to give each other space and it's a general kind of rule between teammates that you try not to live together while you're competing because it's yeah. just too much time. You're on the boat together all day and that was kind of how it was with my other teammate as well. Um, so we're still adjusting into those kind of roles of being a new team. Um, but, yeah, it's really exciting. Yep. And how did the dynamics work, say, compared to being a brother and sister at home and you're older, Sophie, so oldest is normally in charge, <laughs> compared to being on the boat and who and who takes charge? We take a super professional approach to it. It's really important. We've worked with sports psychologists yep. um, and our coaches to make sure it's a sustainable partnership and every single sailing partnership in a two-handed partnership is challenging. Yep. And I think when you throw that dynamic of siblings into it, you've got to make sure you've got a real structure around what roles are being made where and what calls are being made on the race course and how that's going to complement each other. So. We know each other's psychological 
boundaries and strengths. And so I think if we try and work to those, then that's a big advantage for us is that we know what we need to get out of each other to make ourselves compete at at the highest level. And whereas some teams can work on that for a long time, it doesn't necessarily come instinctively. So that's in the last month, you know, we've been able to see that there's definitely some gains to be had there, which we're excited about. Yeah, great. So were you having those conversations um, with the sports psychologists and obviously other family members and and other um, professionals prior to committing to sailing together? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We had a lot of conversations um, to make sure it was the word sustainable comes up to me a lot because we want to be able to do it longevity. It's, it's 2028 that we're looking for. Um, We're on a nine month trial to make sure that it is, um, we can do it in the long run, but for us, those conversations were vital. We have those monthly check-ins. Um, we have a lot of framework around it to make sure that it works well. Yep. And what's the trial in terms of what are the checkpoints and what's successful in those nine months to say, yes, we can do this? How's that being measured? Uh, yeah, so it's been a big adjustment for James to move into crewing. So it's mostly um, looking that he's happy to move into that role, coming from a skippering position and that he feels like he can um, physically fit into that role and then looking at just how we're working as a team and, as you said, like balancing um, who's who's leading in the tactics, who's um, being the lead role in different situations around the course and then off the water as well um, and just making sure that we are kind of happy within that environment um, and we're hoping to test it out in Europe um, early on next year and do some World Cups and it's less about the results for us and just more um, that we can go and experience get that experience and make sure that we can work as a team um, we can see that potential and there's a clear kind of pathway for us to go forward and there's no kind of uncertainty that we can commit to the rest of the or into the going into the new quad from 2025 to 2028 yep and who else is having input on that obviously you're both giving feedback who else is looking in from the outside to say yeah we're happy that we can see this is working or or we really need to look at some of these challenges yeah, so our main um, support team at the VIS consists of our coach, Carrie Smith, um, who's also the Australian Sailing Futures 470 coach. So we're lucky that our state coach is also the national coach. <laughs> um, and then uh, we've done a lot of work with the sports psychologist at the VIS as well. Yeah. Um, and then there's just a few other people that kind of um, consider our holistic performance as well. So um, the strength and conditioning coach, uh, the performance lifestyle advisor, I mean, we've got the physiotherapist in there as well. Um, The nutritionist, just like, I mean, there's a lot of components for me that they're looking at to make sure that it's sustainable, that I can um, maintain that uh, weight gain um, because it's something we assume that I can do. um, And that's definitely been a calculated assumption. Uh, But yeah, we're we're checking with all of those guys weekly, monthly. um, And we're really lucky that we have them to help us um, and we'll just see how it feels in Europe, um, see how we're going as a team because obviously we don't want to strain our sibling relationship. Yep. Um, that's important because, you know, we've got a great relationship um, prior to teaming up and we want to keep it that way. So maintaining that's important to both of us. Yep. And at what point or did or didn't you um, talk about this with family and were they supportive of, of the team up? Yeah, that was definitely our first point. Um, we're lucky to have such good support from both mum and dad and um, a strong family unit. So that was the first thing that came up. And, and when I realised that I might be looking for a new partner, splitting up with my South Australian partner, that um, 
the first point of consult was definitely the family and, and could James be involved and was and then from his perspective what that looked like for his pathway and and mum and dad were immediately super supportive, which was really cool for us and gives us a lot of confidence going forward. Fantastic. Does that make it easier for them to be a part of it? As in you're both in the same spot at the same time and <laughs> Yeah, I think it, it means um there's no point when we're gonna be competing against each other yeah. for an Olympic spot, which definitely helps when there's only one spot available. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so huge commitment and, and you've got amazing support network around. What does it mean for your ages and your friendship groups and your social life what are what are other people your ages doing that you're not doing do you feel like you're missing out or that you're absolutely living the dream and and it's just a different choice I think it's a different choice for us you know we have we're highly ambitious um we're really driven to our goals and we've always wanted to go to the not always but since a pretty young age um when we had gold medalists coming down to the yacht club and being like, Hey, look what we've done in 2012. Like we've got a photo together with Mel Page, a two times gold medalist at the time. And he ended up being our coach for a period of time and just incredible to have that inspiration. And so for us, we, I try to look at it as a choice and not as much a sacrifice. That's a big thing um, that they speak about that performance lifestyle Mm. balance. Um, And so, yeah, absolutely giving up time with friends um, and, you know, you're training so much. So there's not as much time for that, but that's a choice we make and it's kind of something that we're we are happy with. Um, at times, sure, you want that urge to go and see friends and, you know, you've just got to have a nice friendship group that can, you know, mm. be supportive along the way, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure you've got other friends that you've met through sailing. So yes. you sort of you gravitate towards you, no matter what sport or your hobby is in life, you sort of gravitate towards... Those Absolutely. those people become your friends as well, yeah. Yeah, what about you, Sophie? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's definitely um, what I what I love to be doing and same yeah, same as James. You try not to think of, of sacrifices but, yeah, choices that you make. And for me, sailing kind of fulfills all my biggest values um, in terms of health and fitness, adventure and challenge um, and, and being outdoors. Those are things I love the most and I get to kind of fulfill that every day when I'm out sailing, which I absolutely love. And I think if you thought of it as a sacrifice, you wouldn't be doing it and you wouldn't be successful and you wouldn't be putting in the hours and the commitment to it. So, yeah, the, the choice, I love that, that you've said it's a choice, not a sacrifice, is just spot on, isn't it? And for so many athletes, when that's their drive, then you it's your passion and you love it and you give it give it all. Yeah. Um, so you're talking about 2028. So talk to me about what's happening between now and then. What's... Is that a clear path or, yeah? Um, yeah, it's relatively straightforward and for me because I've already had two years um, kind of full-time on the circuit. It's definitely become a lot clearer and um, I can see the gap from kind of where we're at now to those that are winning and, and will be probably winning next year at the Games. Um, so it's kind of starting with um, a lot of skills and we're currently we're already in that process spending a lot of time on water just working on our skills and then you start to move into your racing skills and your tactics and and right at the end it's more of a psychology point and getting that domination and consistent um, performance at the top of the fleet. Uh, But it is a slow process. So, yeah, it's 2023 and we're looking at 2028 (laughs) and it takes a long time. And the 470 is a very established class. It's one of the oldest classes in the game. So there's people in the fleet that are 
twice our age. I was about to ask about your age. Yep, okay. They're twice our age <laughs> and they've been to four or five games. There's yeah. a lot of people out there. You get to have the gold 470 symbol on the top if you're a world champion and there's a lot of those going around. So you've got to put the time in and it's a slow process. But um, if you commit and you kind of structure your pr- program and your campaign, uh, you know, properly and put the hours in at the right time when you need to, then... Hopefully it's a road for success. Yeah. And, I mean, there's something to be said about that experience because it can take away a little bit of the edge of what what, what you're going for. But at the same time, you know, you're the underdogs in a way, aren't you? You're, you're doing the hard yards and you're actually out there and saying, well, it doesn't matter what your age is, we're going to give it everything we've got. Yeah, it's absolutely a journey. I think that enjoying the journey is important because there is a big goal there. And there's no guarantee about that goal. Um, There is a risk there, but, you know, if we can enjoy the journey and bring people along on the journey um, to ride that with us, it's absolutely really important. Yeah, it's amazing. It's fantastic. So past 2028, do you see yourselves, I know that's still a long time away, but do you see yourselves being those people that are twice your age now, you know? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) definitely. I mean, another... You know, five, six years' time, it'd be amazing and, and we do hope to be the leaders and um, there'll be another group of young athletes coming through and hopefully we'll have all that experience and, and be the role models and, um, yeah, those that the younger sailors are looking up to. Yeah, fantastic. And you're, as you said, you're lucky you finish your degree so you can, you're can picking up this work. What's your, what are you studying, James? Yeah, so I'm doing business marketing. Okay. Um, that's usually a four-year degree. I'm working through it at the moment, trying to see if it's it's viable to yeah. get it done. Um, working with the university to be like, well, I, I need some flexibility and there's only two semesters that you can have an intermission period. So it's like, well, there's likely to be times where we're overseas for quite some time. Yeah. So it's tricky to get the degree done yeah. in the eight years or the ten years um, that's required. So... We just try and work with everyone to make that happen. It's not necessarily super easy, especially not having the degree done before you enter into the campaign. But yeah. it's been done before, so it can absolutely be done again. Yep. And you can only control what you can control, can't yeah. you? So you then just make choices along the way if it's out of your control. Yeah, absolutely. You can always study forever and ever and ever. <laughs> you don't <laughs> have to just be your age. You can <laughs> continue yeah. to study whenever. Um, so you did touch upon earlier that your um, – financing your sailing yourselves. So what does that look like? You know, what does that – clearly it costs a lot of money to sail. You've got your boat, one boat. Uh, We've currently got three (laughs) boats. Yep. Because we've just teamed up, so we both have one in Australia. Yeah. We'll probably get rid of one, but I've also got one overseas in Europe as well. Okay. So what's involved, you know, what is it that you're having to fund? Obviously the maintenance of your boat, boats. Yeah, equipment's a big part of it and logistics is even even more than that. So actually transporting the boat and especially to and from and around Europe is one of the biggest costs. So, um, oh yeah, I shipped a boat to Europe at the start of last year, but you either have to permanently import or send it back home. So yeah. it's currently getting sent back home. And between all the events, you're trying to, do you need to hire a car? Do you need to pay someone to drive the boat? Um, it's very complicated and that's where the biggest costs come in at the moment. Um, and then there's flights. Uh, you know, travel to interstate training camps, even a few trips to Adelaide and Sydney in a year definitely add up. Yep. Towing the boat as well. Um, entry sales. fees. Yeah, sales are a big part of it. Yeah. It's hard to compete against the best in the world when they're just going through new sales all the time. Yeah. And for us, it's like how can we 
keep them going for as long as we possibly can until there's too much of a performance disadvantage and we need a new set. Yeah. And what support do you get from um, the VIS or other sponsors? Like how have, how have you managed manage it because it's a lot of money? Yeah, so uh, the VIS um, give us a massive support network. So we have access to coach on-water coaching, nutrition, physio, psychology, um, and then we've both been very lucky to have the Sports Injury Clinic on board with us as well and get that support close to home, again, using the gym, physio. Um, I've worked with nutrition here as well. Um, my therapy for recovery, yeah. that's all costs that we're lucky to have covered with the, that support, which is awesome. Um, but those main costs in terms of travel and um, maintenance and equipment, that comes off our own back. So I've been funding that through my own work as a teacher. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot of support from mum and dad. They're our number one sponsors. <laughs> number one fans. And we're, we're in the process now that we've got this new team on looking to get some more corporate sponsorship yeah. and partners um, to working towards that long-term goal of 2028. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it is a commitment and that's – when you do something you love, that's where your money goes, you know, no matter what it is, whether it's sport or another hobby or it's, yeah, it's what you spend your money on that, and it makes you happy. Um, thank you so much for sharing today where you've come from and where you're going. And it is an amazing commitment that you both have to your, to your sport and to your passion and, and to the athletes that you both are. We love having you here in the clinic, um, but it's just watching – what you're achieving is absolutely sensational. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Pippa. And thanks to TSSA and the team here. We're really grateful to have you on board. Thanks. Yeah, thanks so much. If you have a topic you would like covered, get in touch via our socials. The contact details can be found in the episode notes. If you have loved listening today and are looking forward to future episodes, please subscribe, rate our show, share our podcast with your friends, work colleagues and families. So for now, goodbye. Thank you for tuning in today and see you next week. <laughs>